Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. On this Friday, we're broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. We won't have a lot of time for uh, talking to you in the game hotline. The, this first segment is a good time. If we can, uh, if you can get in now, but we, the plan is we'll be having our weekly conversations with Nick Fontenot about the Pelicans and I'm sure the Saints as well in the next segment. And then Tom Hafer from McNeese, lots going on in Lake Charles these days. So we'll be, uh, enjoy talking to him. And then UL men's basketball coach, the man of the hour week in this area, Bob Marlin at about 10 o'clock, right at the top of the hour. And then after that, the final couple segments, the rest of the 10 o'clock hour will be open for phone lines. If you would, um, if, if we can, if you would like to get in and and discuss anything, want to congratulate new Iberia. They made it to the state finals for the first time in school history, which is amazing to me. Uh, obviously, um, um, it, you know, they've had some great teams. Those of us who have been around for a while, they had some, some great players in the seventies and the nineties, you know, they had Chris Manuel and Kelvin price and, and obviously a lot of people thought they were going to make it there and they've had other years where they've had good teams and made good runs. Um, but They never made it to the finals till now, and and they just, you know, their team is not that different um, than like STM in that they they win with defense, and if they get, you know, it's hard in today's era to score forty seven points and beat a really good team. Now, also. Understand it. They beat a Walker team last night that is seasoned. I mean, this was Walker's sixth time at this level. So Walker is – they know how to win. They've been here uh, to that semifinal, final level, the state tournament. And they just – you know, you just got to give New Iberia credit. They gutted it out. They won like they've won all year. A lot of low-scoring games. Um, you know, it, it, it. when a high-scoring team plays a defensive team, it, there's no guarantee that the defensive team is going to win, but normally the defensive team controls the tempo. It, you know, they, they tend to have that ability to control the tempo. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win, but they normally get the game played more in their range, and Iberia was able to do that last night, and they um, got the win over Walker and, again, advanced to the state finals for the first time ever, so we'll see what happens. It's kind of hard for me to pull for uh, a, a guy who pulls for the cheaters, but, you know, 
that's we we like to have fun with each other on on, on that deal. Uh, no, but I mean it, it really is an impressive run. Coach Borshow won a state championship, made the finals uh, at Brobridge, and now he's done it at New Iberia. So it it is uh, very very impressive. So congratulations to New Iberia on that. And North Central will play another just you know well North Central going all the way back to Washington High School before there was a North Central. They've been good at boys basketball in that area for a long long time, and so. Um, not anything new, but something certainly to uh, continue to recognize and appreciate. And they they will play for the state championship tonight. So, um, against a Franklin team. So, you know, in that area that between UIBerry and Franklin, you had Catholic High made it, you had Franklin made it, make it, and and now New Iberia's. Made it to the state final, so what a what a banner year for basketball in that, you know, that Highway 90 region right there. So, congratulations to all of them. Um, obviously, it's a we're heading into a huge weekend. We've got uh, softball is going to begin a tournament in Florida, and when we had Coach Glasgow on on Wednesday, we talked. He he admitted like he's worried like it it's got to start getting mentally and physically draining um for you know for the players and and he's very concerned um and so we'll see how they do you know they play Rutgers today now Rutgers is a team that doesn't play the kind of schedule that Florida does or the Cajuns do but they are like I think their record was like sixteen and four or something. It's good. Like they're a good team, but I don't know that they're used to playing like South Al. Two of their losses are to South Al, who's a good team, but um, I, I, I the the Cajuns should beat them. And one of the things that has come up this week that Coach Glasgow reminded us of is other than maybe Michigan. And I don't even count Michigan as a bad loss. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that. I know they should have won the game, but still not a bad loss. Um, the Cadens don't have any bad losses this year, so we'll see how long they can continue that. And so that's something to keep an eye on. Baseball play opens a three-game series with High Point, and then obviously all of that leads up until Sunday evening. I don't know. What are we going to find out? 520, 5, whatever. Somewhere in that range. Uh, where the Cajuns are going to be going with that it's selection Sunday. So with that said, did anything Dawson happen last night, good or bad for the Cajuns? Not much. So again, it's kind of because the reason not much has happened at this point is because you get that kind of reset. All the tournaments that ended last week, a lot of them ended either Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, and so now we have like these tournaments progressing now. All the teams we need to lose pretty much didn't do us any favors last night. So uh, everybody in those five conferences that I laid out for us yesterday have still stayed in it. The conference I've kind of honed in on is the Ivy League because Yale is the the favorites there, and they're the ones that we could potentially jump. And the good news there is Yale lost four conference games, and there's only four teams that make the Ivy League tournament. And two of those three teams... Four? Yeah, well, the Ivy League... Remember, the Ivy League didn't have a conference tournament forever. They were the last conference to kind of go to that. So they only let four teams in. And two of the... Uh, four losses that they have are teams that are in that tournament. 
So there's a few teams that can definitely beat Yale. So that's the one that I'm kind of focusing on. Their semifinal game is Saturday at, I think, 10 a.m., and then I think their championship game would be Sunday if they get there. So that's the one I'm focused on. I do have some bad news for you, and I, I teased this at the end of RP3. Um, I think Birmingham's pretty much off the table. Why? So I don't know if this is a fact or not. I've been trying to find out if it's you know like set in stone or if it's just a projected thing. But from the looks of it, Alabama is going to be a one seed, and they are going to get basically. I think what they do with the one seeds is basically give them their you know they kind of put the closest regional to them. So Alabama is most likely going to be the team that plays in Birmingham, which is going to be the one sixteen matchup and the eight nine matchup on either side. And the Cajuns are obviously not going to be a one a sixteen an eight or a nine. So I th- I think it's very very unlikely that they go to Birmingham, unfortunately. Man. Now that I is, did compile some. That is very upsetting. Yeah, it really it it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tough break. I did compile some projections of of some of the matchups and locations that are out there right now. Uh, being a 14 seed playing Gonzaga in Greensboro, I've seen a lot. A 14 seed playing Tennessee in Greensboro is what ESPN has them as. Uh, maybe a 13 seed against Virginia in Albany, a 13 seed against Indiana in Albany, and then a 14 seed against Miami in Orlando. Those are some of the like more popular ones Ugh. that I've seen more than once. You don't want no part of playing Miami. Well, uh, I think playing Miami. Yeah, I don't know. Miami's got you know. Then look, interesting thing is the Cajuns would be a little bit familiar. They have the Arkansas State transfer Norchad Omir, a guy who was very good for Arkansas State, and he's yeah. actually one of Miami's best players this year. He's done very well since transferring to the ACC. So at least maybe you'd have some familiarity there. But, I mean, the thing is, anybody that, that you match up with as a 14 seed, that's a 3 seed, again, that's that's why I wanted to avoid that. You're gonna so be you're losing hope team. on the 13 seed thing? A little. I'm, I'm losing a little hope. I still think there's, a, again, I think there's a good chance Yale doesn't win that Ivy League tournament. The other thing, though, is most of those other tournaments, like I mentioned, you have to have t- the top two teams both not win it because they're both all ahead of you in the net. And then in the like in the A10, even if the third team that's in the net, St. Louis wins it, there's still a chance that St. Louis is going to jump you. So there's just it would take a, it would take a few things that are a little bit unlikely happening. The MAC is another one because there's some teams in the MAC that could definitely beat T- Toledo or Kent State, but um, it's I'm losing a little hope. But I'm I'm still I'd say right now in my head it's it's closer to 50-50. Whereas early in the week I thought it was a very great chance that you all was going to be a th- 13 seed. Now I'm thinking more 50-50. Well, the Tennessee thing would be unbelievable if they were, that would be unbelievable if they play Tennessee again. Yeah, and the funny the thing tournament. about that one that I'll say real quick, ESPN. Now, you'd usually think of ESPN and Joe Lenardi's bracketology as being like one of the most reliable, right? Well, they have been really not keeping up with it. Like right now, their bracket that's supposedly updated last night has Kennesaw State in the bracket two different times as a 15 and a 14 seed. So, I don't know what's going on over there with their bracket stuff, but they're not quite keeping their brackets up to date. So that is the one that has them playing Tennessee, and maybe that's not as reliable as we would uh, usually think ESPN to be. So you're telling me Jonesboro or Orlando? Greensboro. I mean Greensboro, yes, yes, not Jonesboro. Greensboro, Albany's the other one that keeps coming up, which I know would not be your favorite choice, but... um, well, I have some fond memories. The okay. two times that I've gone to Cooperstown, I've flown into Albany. So at least I've been in that airport twice. Yeah, the other good news is I haven't seen any projections of like Sacramento and some of those West Coast areas. So I know you were talking about that earlier as potential. Yeah, we want no part spots, of that. So. Plus, I got the great pleasure. You know, I 
we don't want to go too far off the beaten path here, but I, I've never been. I, I'm one of the few guys, not 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 a Ric Flair guy, and so Stevie P was. You know, he's always telling me, you know, how great Ric Flair is, and so we we land in the Albany Airport, and Ric Flair's there, and he goes up to him and asks him for an autograph, and of course he said no. I said, I told you that guy's a clown show, Ric Flair. What a bozo that guy is. Always was. But anyway, never been a Ric Flair guy. So I got some good memories anyway in the in the Albany Airport. But no, that is a fur piece from here, so we don't want that. The new SID for basketball, though, Tom for from from for the Cajuns, it's from that area. So he's hoping that it's Albany. But he's one of the few. He's in the minority. Yeah, yeah. It, it it is interesting the way that they do it. And again, the Cajuns are not gonna get any regional you know, like like I said, those top seeds, yeah, they're gonna probably try to place them regionally. You're gonna have Alabama's probably gonna go to Birmingham and things like that. Now, I guess if 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 Alabama falls off the one line, I just don't see that happening though. They've obviously been even they've had a ton of off the court issues, but they've been one of the more consistent, hotter teams. I think they're probably locked in. But if they somehow fall to the two line, then I think Birmingham maybe opens back up because I'm pretty sure it's just based on who the one seed is that controls that kind of regional location for the top seed in each region. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. On the game, we have with us our friend, Mr. Nick Fontenot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing okay, man. How about you? Well, I guess the good news is it seems like lately, is it me? Like, the Pelicans never play to me. Like, they get, they're get they getting plenty of rest. I don't know if it's going to do them any good, but they hardly ever play. Well, I was actually thinking about uh, kind of a similar thread of, uh, of thought here is that if when we talk, the game before we talk, they win. Now, they lose all the rest of the game. But right right before we talk, they win. So maybe we need to talk more off. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, whatever it takes, if we need to do this twice a week to get the Pels a few more wins, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. But 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 seriously, it's the, the schedule, like the injury situation is not helping. But the, the schedule here coming up, it's doable if they could just find a way to stay healthy and win. Yeah, they, they they really have to string together like a streak of wins. Like we can't have this lose two, win one, lose four, win one type of uh, trend that they've been going through. Like they gotta they gotta get a streak together. They gotta feel like they can piece together some of these wins. Because I remember last week we were talking about them going six and two, and then they lost the first two. So now we're like, well, we, now we're looking at the schedule coming up, and I'm like, okay, six and two again. Like I keep giving them the benefit of the doubt thinking that eventually they'll get it going and start getting uh, getting a streak of these of these wins together. But, you know, I, I, as far as the schedule, I, I like the, the days off because the, the back-to-backs are not very uh, very good for this team. So uh, as much time off in between games as they can have, 
actually works better for him because the injuries just seem to be piling up. No, I I, I agree with there, but you know me, I I, I kind of have a baseball mentality. I like I like to, I'm like Coach Deggs. I, let's just play every day. All the, all this these other games are too slow. But anyway, the you know you, you of course you got to beat OKC at home and you got to beat Portland at home because if you don't win those games, like what games are you going to win? I mean, so you you, you got to win those games. But I tell you what, the Lakers are – I don't know what's going on with the Lakers, but they've been uh, outperforming what we think they're going to do lately. I mean, Anthony Davis is a good player. You know, he's he's a guy you can ride. He, we, we rode him in New Orleans all the way to the playoffs one year and rode him to that sweep of the Blazers in the playoffs. So, I mean, he's a really good player. So, while they're missing LeBron, like, you got to understand, like, that team is not all about LeBron. Now, he, of course, he's a big part of the team, but they got better. And, and Anthony Davis is good. So Anthony Davis is one of those guys that when he's healthy and playing well, you can ride him to uh, to the playoffs and a, and a, and a, and a good team. And, a, and he's a good, he's just a very good player. And so I think a lot of people around here, especially Pelicans fans, we like to hate on Anthony Davis. I'm one of them. I don't really care for the guy. But but he's a good player. It's undeniable. And so I think with LeBron out, he decided to put it on his shoulders. We saw earlier in the season when LeBron was out, he did the same thing. So if Anthony Davis is healthy, I think the Lakers are going to be just fine. Well, and but but I mean we keep talking and he has missed a lot of games. He's talking about how soft he is, but that caddy's had some eighteen and twenty rebound games lately with bloody noses. Yeah, yeah no doubt. No doubt. I mean none of these games are gimmies that the Pelicans have coming up, but they're we I mentioned it last week, it's the same thing. You're looking at the schedule, you're seeing OKC Portland uh trying to get to those games against the Rockets, which they absolutely have to win. They can't slip up there. So all of these games are winnable. It's just putting it together. You know, they put it together the other night against Dallas, and CJ kind of took that game over and, and did his thing. B.I. got hurt, and so you kind of had to fill the role there with, with, with B.I. out, and we don't really know how long he's going to be out. He might not miss any time, according to some reports. Or, you know, with the, the way the Pelicans' injuries go, he might miss a lot of time. So we don't know there. But, yeah, you know, it's it, it's just for, for me, it's being very inconsistent and and like I said, like right before we talk, I feel like I'm coming off of a win, so I feel good, and I forget about how bad I felt whenever they lost to the Kings, and how bad I felt when they lost to the Warriors. Like those 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 bad feelings from those losses don't just go away because they put it together and won the Mavericks game. It's very inconsistent, and I feel like they're closer to those teams that are losing the games than they are to the ones that put it together for for a one off and beat the Mavericks. Well, the Warriors' loss was worse than the Kings' loss, don't you think? It, it was it was worse because I think they had an actual chance to win that game, and then the Warriors came back at the end. The Kings just dominated us. I mean, we just had no chance. It was it was a an one of those one of those stinkers, like you would put it. You kind of call it that. You know, when you get into a basketball season, you play eighty two games. Sometimes you're just going to have a stinker. That's what the Kings game was. Like they just did nothing right, and the Kings just dominated us. I feel like they had a legitimate chance to win that Warriors game. They were coming off the win earlier against the Blazers. They had a little bit of momentum, and you felt like. They were up, I think they were up at one point by 16. So it was like, man, you feel like you can get it. But, you know, even with Steph out, the Warriors are just never out of it. And, and Clay came in and hit a bunch of big shots and kind of did what the Warriors do. And you, you, sometimes you feel like you're in control against them. And they come in and you hit a bunch of threes. And before you know it, you're, you're down in the game. So, yeah, the Warriors lost stung a little more. And then the Kings lost with just pure domination. By so Steph. were you able to get any pleasure out of uh, watching the Cages advance to the NCAA tournament in the middle of all of this Pelicans turmoil? Of course. I mean, you know, I, you know that's where I went to school. And I, I follow them from afar pretty much. And I cover them every now and then. But, man, Jordan Brown is, is special. And how about Jalen Dalcourt? 
just kind of taking over that tournament. So yeah, no, I definitely got some enjoyment out of that. It was it was fun to watch them. I like I like watching, and I'm sure Kevin, you've done this over your career. I like watching the guys that I covered in high school go to the next level and do their thing. And they have three on this team that I covered a lot. And you know, my my career is a lot younger than yours, so you have many more of these stories to tell. But you know, Joe Charles and Greg Williams and, and Jalen Dalcourt, I covered those guys a lot, and so watching them go off and do this for the cages has been very enjoyable for me personally absolutely all right so i know you're all negative and doom and gloom when it comes to the saints but have you allowed yourself to be to have the natural fan excitement uh glass half full excitement of acquiring Derek Carr in over the last week oh of course yeah i've, I've done that i mean look i I'm doing my gloom on Dennis Allen. I don't think he's – I just don't think he's the guy. But, you know, I, Kevin, I've never been one that's like I feel a certain way and I want to be right. I want to be wrong. And if Dennis Allen can prove me wrong, hey, that's great. Like, go for it. I, I, I'm all for that. And so, of course, when the season starts, I'm going to be all behind the guys and want to win every game. And then once if they, if they were to win the NFC South and make the playoffs, of course I'm going to be thinking they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm not, I'm not dead delusional. I just – I'm kind of down on Dennis Allen, but yeah, the Derek Carr signing is it, it's perfect. It's exactly what they needed. It's, it was the best option that we had, and they got it done. And now the reports are coming out that Michael Thomas is talking about restructuring and sticking around. Like everything that I want them to happen, it's like they're doing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I did to deserve this, but they're, they're making all the moves that I want. Now they just got to win some games. Right. Well, they just need to make field goals and stop fumbling. But um, so. <laughs> But the other thing that's, you know, again, I almost wish these things don't wouldn't happen, but but I understand what the Internet is and people have got to put out stories because, like, I don't even need to be thinking about this kind of stuff, even though if it happens, it'll be tremendous. And the truth is a lot of it, a lot in the last two or three years, these things like this have been happening. So, the you know, so in the last couple of days, we've seen like Jaron Reed, like you got to be kidding me. That would be unbelievable to get a veteran defensive tackle that can, that can stop the run before the draft. Now, that doesn't even mean you can't draft one if you still like it, but to get one before the draft uh, would be tremendous. Now, the, the you know, Mac Hollins, a guy who's kind of a big physical possession receiver that Derek Hart played with, with the Raiders could make sense. And so, I, you know, they're not going to sign all these. Just because someone does a story doesn't mean they're going to sign them. But, man, I, I would be really giddy if they got a veteran defensive tackle that knows how to stop the run. I'm all for going for it. And that's what, that's what they're doing. And I know a lot of people maybe think that they don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl or they're not close. And those people may turn out to be right. But as long as the front office and Mickey Loomis and those guys feel otherwise, as long as they think there's, the window is still open, I'm all for going for it and, and pushing the cap and kicking the can down the curve. Everybody wants to reset the cap because Drew Brees is gone. It's like, man, we won nine games two years ago. We probably would have won the division last year, and they just signed the uh, Derek Carr to, to come in and kind of take over at quarterback. So it's like I think that Mickey Loomis and the front office genuinely believes the window to win is still open, and as long as they feel that way – I'm fine with doing whatever we got to do to keep that window open. And all those moves you talked about and a lot of other things that I've been reading and restructuring, Michael, all that goes along with the fact that the window is still open. And if they feel that way, I'm fine with keeping it open for myself. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, again, 
the 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 neck like I saw a headline the other day called the Saints moribund. Like moribund. Like I'm thinking I I really don't think people know that other than the Katrina season, the Saints have never won won fewer than 7 games since the last century, since Ditka was the coach. Like moribund, like disappointing maybe. Incredibly frustrating because they can't make field goals, not fumble, and know how to run out of bounds, and always injured, but moribund. And just yeah, the national perception it, just it, mystifies me. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the things that a lot of people that aren't Saints fans don't realize. But since Sean Payton, since two thousand six, they've never lost. They've never won fewer than seven games. They're the only team in the league that has won at least seven games every single year since 2006. So while seven games is not a lot, and a lot of those years they didn't make the playoffs, that's pretty consistent, and that's not bottom-dwelling, and that's not, it's more not moribund, you may have read in that headline. So I know we're coming up on a break here, but while Nick was on, I wanted to get the opinion. Diana Rossini is reporting that the Saints have offered Jameis a restructured deal to stay in New Orleans. Thoughts on that? It, that I makes like zero Jameis. sense. I'm not done with Jameis. I mean, I, I wanted Jameis. I was all in on Jameis. He didn't even get a chance. So why would they want him when Dennis Allen and him didn't seem to like each other very much? And look, I, I, I'm all for, again, I'm all for Jameis. This is, but that doesn't make any sense to me. But here's what I don't want. I don't want Jameis Winston to go somewhere else and do what we thought he could do in New Orleans, because that would just... that would Yeah, just that would really me. anger Then I would realize yes. that, that last year they could do that. Yeah, so while I think I'll be pulling for him to do well, I don't want it to actually happen, because I don't want to be like, man, what would have happened last year if he had just played? Now, understand he was injured. In fact, he, he, he was quoted not that long ago that he's still injured. Like, so I, I perhaps the idea that we have that he just, that Dennis Allen hated him it was more about his injury than we're giving credit for, if that really is true, that they're going to offer. It also sends a message that maybe he's just not the guy that we thought he was. Because if they think he's the guy that we think or we thought he could be, why would they go and give all this money to Derek Carr? So maybe he's just going to be a career backup, and that's fine. I'm fine with keeping well, him. Well, but, would, but even if we're, we were right, there's still a major question. In other words, he had to prove himself. Like, Derek Carr doesn't – I mean, I guess he has to prove himself to doubters, but Derek Carr has been a consistently good quarterback for a long time. So there's, you, you're dealing more with, with givens and not, like, question marks. I, t- I totally agree. Yeah, he, st- he still has to do it. I think we, we thought that he could do it. That's what I was saying. I'm not saying he was going to do it. He still had to do it. I just thought the potential to, to be better was there with Jameis, not with Andy Dalton. But that's all in the past with Derek Carr's team now, and we'll just move forward. All right, sir. We'll hang in there. Hopefully you get some wins between now and next week. All right, Foot. Thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us from Lake Charles, Mr. Tom Hafer, McNeese play-by-play guy. And, man, since we last spoke a week ago, a lot has happened in Lake Charles. <laughs> you might say that. Exactly. Yeah, we hosted the conference tournaments for both the men's and the women's. Uh, the Cowboys and Cowgirls both performed very well in those tournaments. Uh, did not win them, obviously, but, but uh, showed some life. And then, of course, there was the coaching change uh, made uh, announcement made a couple of days ago with uh, in the men's basketball program with John Aiken being relieved of duties. Um, sad to see him go on a personal level. I, I like him so much and really enjoyed working with him. Uh, but you can certainly understand that the numbers of wins were just not there and no progress was really being made um, up until really the, the late run that they had. And, uh, and so uh, the, the change is made. And then there's these, oh, you know, these rumors that are very serious, apparently, about um, getting a pretty well-known coach to replace him. So I'm sure there's a buzz that's unbelievable, good or bad. And who knows how that would turn out, but uh, just a buzz around the, the town and really the whole state about that. Yeah, it's, it's really funny how, and and I'll say it, it's the Will Wade rumors. You, you were you were cautious in mentioning that, but I, the, those rumors started at least a month ago, maybe even longer ago than that, and uh, they came from both here in uh, in Lake Charles and also from Baton Rouge. There's a bunch of stuff about it on the on the Tiger Droppings website um, as well, and and it's uh, you know I, I cannot I have no inside knowledge of any of this. And uh, it's an interesting thing, the way they're talking about it. And, uh, yeah, it would certainly create a buzz if that were to occur. And uh, it will really be interesting if uh, if there's an announcement on that soon. Have you gotten any sense from just hearing people in the community? Because, you know, all, all if you believe the rumors, it's going to happen. Now, again, it, it's kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation. You can't say something's happening until it happens. But if you believe the rumors, probably pretty close, you know, Pretty overwhelming people think that it's going to happen. So have you gotten a sense from the community? Is that something that – will there be any kickbackers, everyone? Okay, let's go. Uh, I think there is a small amount of kickback, but the, the enthusiasm, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. It's a home run swing kind of maneuver, and, uh, and I think people appreciate the, the risk involved with it and the the possible high payoff with it enough that most of the what I'm hearing is positive. It's funny, a, a lot of the positive that I'm hearing is from LSU fans. It's not from McNeese fans uh, in general. They're they're really charged up about it. It seems like the, the LSU people in the area, which is which is amazing that he's got so much. Uh, you know, he's still got a lot of support from the LSU community. You know, the the it's kind of a situation where if he comes in and does well, you know it's a stepping stone situation, but you're okay with that, I, I, I would think, especially since, you know, for a program that when I, you know, growing up was always real good, it's been a while since they've had a lot of success in men's basketball. So you, you're willing for it to be that stepping stone, but you kind of have to understand that going in, I would think. Uh, I think that is absolutely known and and acknowledged. And there's even the rumor. I, again, it's rumor. I, I can't say it with any kind of, of certainty, but it's an interesting rumor that the plan with Coach Wade would be to have a very high buyout 
uh, clause in there so that even if he does leave after a couple of years, there's a, a, a significant financial uh, gain from him leaving that allows you to pay another coach uh, at least a pretty good salary. So uh, it's it's a really interesting situation. And again, I got no inside knowledge. I'm, I'm, I'm zero. It's it's all the stuff that you're reading on the internet and on Facebook and uh, and elsewhere. Uh, it, it is not coming from the the athletic department at all. Uh, you know, they put out a list of the of the candidates, and Will Wade was uh, one of those. Uh, another interesting one is a um, uh, former coach. Can't think of his, right, his name right now. That, that was a coach for the Cowboys last time they went to the uh, to the NCAA tournament back in in 2001. So there's other names out there, but that's the one that that everybody's buzzing about. All right. So is there value where you know where the program is, where the university is? Where you know the old cliche is talk good about me, talk bad about me, just talk about me, and you know he's going to bring a certain amount of a spotlight. He's a lightning rod. Uh, I mean, I mean, so he's going to bring a spotlight to the program where it's going to be discussed. Like there might be some detractors, but you're going to be in the news. I mean, how much oh, value is there to yeah. that? Do you think? Yeah, there's no question. Right there's there's the old uh, PR thing that no that, that there's no such thing as bad press. You know, just getting your name out there um, would be a positive in many ways. Um, it, it's it's interesting. They've created buzz, whether it happens or not. They've created buzz. Absolutely, and you know, you have a nice new facility to recruit to, and and we all know that the man can recruit. So. I mean, it's it doesn't take much of an imagination to see how this could work out. Yeah, that's a, it's an obvious. Even even if you were to leave after a successful year or two, um, you now have uh, perhaps the you know we already got the best attendance in the conference. Um, it's not great, not nearly what it was you know twenty years ago or even especially forty years ago when Joe Dumars was here and it was you know five and six thousand every night. Uh, but you've already got the best attendance in the conference. That could go way up. You've got a nice building to recruit players to. It's over. You know, you're past the hurricane situation where the team was practicing at high schools and stuff like that, and, and uh, you've got momentum built. It's also possible that, that, you know, if somebody like that came in here, got the program turned around, that one of the assistants would be able to, to take over. You just don't know those things. It's way too far in the future. But all of those possibilities are there, and uh, – and like I said, if it were to occur, it is a home run swing. It's got some severe downsides to it, but the upsides are very, very obvious as well. So are we thinking like Monday we're going to know one way or the other, or you don't think it's going to be that soon? Uh, it, I, would, I would think it's possible. I, I would think that they would like to have it be as soon as possible. So um, that wouldn't surprise me. Man, you know the Cages play McNeese in softball and 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 baseball, baseball on, yeah. on Wednesday, and we not we I don't even know if we're gonna have time to get to. It, but I got to tell you, McNeese <laughs> hit the ball. Re- I covered the baseball game. McNeese yep. hit the ball really hard early, but then after about the fifth inning, the Cages bullpen uh, did fabulous. I mean, it was a good game for you know three or four innings, and and it was still. I mean, th- all you were they were a bloop and a blast away from tying in the night, but the Cages bullpen did really well down the stretch. Yeah, and and uh, we know the quality of the Cajun team, and the Cowboys are playing pretty well. They got they got um, a Prairie View in this weekend for a three game set. Uh, Prairie View's not had a good record so far on the year, so the Cowboys have a chance to continue that. 
Uh, Cowgirls are in a little bit of a, of a slump now. I think they've lost three of four, including the loss to the Cajuns the other night. Um, and they got a tough opponent in Monroe this weekend. Um, I wouldn't say that they need to right the ship or anything like that. They've been playing good teams. Gosh, the, the schedules for them has been a monster, uh, and they are still well above 500, but it's a tough opponent for them. We'll, we'll see how that all shakes up, getting closer to conference and uh, need to settle some things both with the, with the, the baseball team, bullpen-wise, rotation-wise, and the, the softball team too. All right, sir. Well, we might have some uh, interesting news and developments before we speak between now and next week as well, but I appreciate your time. Y'all have fun. Thank you, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All righty. Welcome back. I am trying to wrap my mind around the Jameis Winston talk before we we interview Tom and you know so many of us including myself had this idea that Dennis Allen for whatever reason just you know was not a Jameis Winston guy um we knew he was hurt we talked oh you know how he walked like a 50 year old man and he was playing with crack ribs and all that kind of stuff or um vertebrae but I think we all kind of had an idea that after about two, three, four weeks, whatever, after they that he was could have played if they wanted him to. Maybe that wasn't the case. I, you know, I. It, it just would. What I'm saying is, it would really change the narrative in all of our or most of our minds about what was going on last year if Jameis stayed to be the backup quarterback because it seemed like. Like all of us had convinced ourselves, well, they he, they did him wrong. I mean, I think he did him wrong. The Saints did him wrong. At least that was my perception. But maybe he was just really hurt, and they just didn't communicate that well. Which Dennis Allen's not a great communicator. We've already seen that. He's a terrible communicator. So I will agree with everything you said. I completely bought the narrative that that the Saints and Jameis had some sort of fracture of the relationship and that they had kind of moved on. Yeah. And by the end of the season they were playing it out and he was going to, you know, be released as soon as possible and and everything would be would be gone and done with that. But there's a couple of ways to look at it. I will say this, them offering him a contract doesn't mean he's going to take it. So maybe right. Oh, yeah, definitely. What could be the case is that they have kind of shifted their thinking to him as now being a backup quarterback, and I would be kind of shocked, honestly, if that's what Jameis' mindset is for the rest of his career. Um, so maybe he had some sort of realization that he doesn't think he's the guy. I, I just don't think he's built that way. Um, the other thing is maybe there was some sort of fracture in the relationship and maybe it got repaired over the offseason for one reason or another and they kind of worked things out. Um, and then the last thing would be, Again, maybe this injury was something. Now, again, I just don't understand why they wouldn't have sat him down, put him in street clothes, signed another quarterback off the street to be the backup for the year, and said, go get healthy, we'll reevaluate things. Now, 
That just seems if he if the injury was that big of an issue, that seems like what they would do. Why would you want a guy who's maybe healthy enough to be dressed, but not healthy enough for you to trust as a starting quarterback? Why would you even want him as the backup? I, I so I struggle with that one. So it could be any of those things, or maybe something that we're not even thinking of. That's part of the disadvantages of us not being in the locker room and knowing what's going on. But it it, it is strange. I tell you that though, I, I am you know I've heard and I've heard you know me I, I'm not a rookie quarterback guy so. I even heard people say that the Saints still need to pick a quarterback even after after they signed Derek Carr. To me, that's terrible. Like, if you're going to do that, then that guy needs to be your third-string quarterback. Because let's say, so I'm glad to hear, and, and I didn't think they were really going to do that, but I'm, let's say Derek Carr comes and he plays well and the team, and they decide not to fumble this year. They decide to stay reasonably healthy for the first time in forever, it seems. And they decide to make field goals. And Will Lust decides, you know, this field goal kicking stuff is really not that difficult. I think I'll, I'll make them. Um, if all those things happen, and let's say the Saints get off to another 5-2 and two start like they did two years ago. And then Derek Carr gets hurt. The worst thing you want is to put in a rookie quarterback. So... I love the idea of having a veteran backup. I always have. Uh, and so, and I like Jameis and kind of had the idea that the Saints had done him wrong. And if they really haven't done him wrong and they can work that out and he's the backup quarterback, that's even better for me. I, I, I really like this scenario. So I hope it works out that way. Now, again, like you said, doesn't mean he's going to take it. Um. Yeah, so the only scenario I see Jameis taking that deal is if he has... Now, of course, we talk about whether the free agency period, and technically I guess you can't be talking, but I think we, we all kind of know that you, you'll at least have an... He'll have an idea of what his offers will be. His, or his agent has an idea yeah, he, whether he, he can idea. get a starting job, I would think. And now, I will say, with the number of teams that we've talked about that are in flux, I, I think there's certainly a decent chance that he finds a team that's willing to take a shot at him as the starting quarterback. Maybe it's one of these teams who plans to draft a guy. Maybe it's one of these teams like Carolina, let's say, that's kind of in a, well, we could take a quarterback or we could go the veteran quarterback route. Indianapolis, there's a bunch of options. So the Raiders. Does, I mean, the right. Raiders are probably going to pick a rookie quarterback. So that's why, if now, if none of those if he doesn't get the sense that any of those are going to be an option, then sure, maybe he comes back because I think he'd probably prefer to be a backup here than a backup elsewhere. So if this is his best chance, if, again, the relationship's okay, which them offering him a contract makes it sound like it is. Um, but I would I would imagine that somebody, out of all these teams we've talked about that still have question marks, somebody would give him a shot. Um, but then again, maybe not. Maybe maybe these teams are, are comfortable rolling out rookie quarterbacks or uh, you know some of the other veterans like Baker Mayfield and others over Jameis. Baker Mayfield. Well, the thing is, I think Jameis gets along very well with his teammates. I, I, I just think our most of our perceptions that this was a Dennis Allen opinion thing. This is really kind of, um, I think, it's surprising to a lot of people. And again, I, I, I think pleasant surprise. I, I, um, I agree that he was somewhat of a project, and that he was injured and you know probably his confidence was injured too after that wacky season he had in Tampa um and and yet I was I was ready to go because he's young and he had you know he had the ability to throw the ball down the field and um no this is I I, I hope it happens now 
because, it, like we said, because they're negotiating doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I, I really, really hope this happens on a lot of different fronts. And I love the idea of having a veteran backup. I want no part of a young, inexperienced, even if they've been in the league for a year or two. I don't want an inexperienced backup. Not a big fan of that at all. Yeah, I'm okay with the idea of if if you're going to draft a quarterback for me, it's a late round flyer guy that maybe he somehow comes in and just kind of shocks you and ends up being a great player down the road, but you're not giving up enough. I agree, when, especially with the way this team's in a pretty small all-in window. You need to use your draft picks to make your team. Better. I'd rather pick a guy like Rashid in the sixth or seventh round and some quarterback who's going to hold a clipboard and be useless. I'm not drafting quarterbacks. One hour down, another hour to come. Coach Bob Marlin on the other side. Take care. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Before we we get going with this hour, we're going to go right to it. We have with us UL men's basketball coach, and I'm hoping he's having a great week of uh, enjoying a great accomplishment. Coach Bob Moreland, how are you, sir? Doing great, Kevin. Just busy doing a lot of these for sure. All right, so, you know, for years the, the tournament that – the program was involved in wasn't always this early, but I'm really starting to like the idea of having the early tournament because, one, if you win, you get to celebrate it all week, and if you get a player nicked up like you got with Greg, then he's got a chance to get healthy before you play again. So I, I've kind of – at first I was skeptical. I really like the early tournament now. Yeah, I was all for it, a big proponent, uh, pushed it in the league meetings because in the old days, Kevin, you remember when we won it in 14 and we play at noon, the game's over at three. We barely were able to get to uh, walk-ons in New Orleans to, for the selection show. And I think it affects your bracket also, your seating, I should say. If you finish the tournament early, and I think the Big South used to do this all the time, and uh, Winthrop would win every year, and they'd be done on Monday or Tuesday. And they're, they're getting their name on the ticker every day, right? every publication, every program. So you get an extra week of publicity for your team and your league, too. Some coaches uh, in the Sunbelt tournament uh, wanted it to be different where you don't have a week off, but in reality, you have a week off in the NCAA tournament. You know, the, the big, the power fives that are playing this weekend are going to, they're going to be off for a week. People got beat yesterday and today, they'll be off for a week. Absolutely. All right. I want to get back to a few things uh, from Monday's game, um, which was, you know, I, I thought a, a really good game. And it seemed like, obviously, you, you had the Greg situation where he tried to go and he couldn't go. But it seemed like in the second half, y'all found the lineup and kind of stuck with it. Didn't substitute as much as you would normally do was that from a deep more of a defensive standpoint that would they you kind of found something that worked on defense or was that more from an offensive standpoint it was a little of both Kevin but that's a great point we didn't sub much in the second half we stuck with the guys I think uh, uh, they were playing well I think we rested Joe for a minute with Terrence and 
and Terrence scored and did what he needed to do, and then Joe does the defensive work on the other end. He's a little bit longer than Terrence. Um, and then we put Terrence in for Jordan down the stretch to hit the free throws, which he did uh, to help us win. But the group that was out there was playing well, uh, but probably primary, it's more of a defensive lineup. You know, from from kind of judging from what you some of your post game uh, comments, was it a situation where you kind of felt like Isaiah Moore would get his, and you're like, okay, he's going to get his. Let's just make sure other people don't beat us, particularly, uh, you know, the white the, from the perimeter. Is that what did I hear that correctly? Yes, that was kind of our game plan. Um, Kevin, they got down to Pensacola and they had, had really been playing good basketball as we talked about. And we were able to beat them that last game at home. And they didn't hit a three the second half against us at home. They were over four. And we were able to do the same thing in Pensacola. But uh, Owen White had shot the ball well. I think he'd made 12 threes in their first three games and was shooting 50% from three. Uh, Judah Brown can really shoot the ball. Uh, and then Parham had not played well, but he played excellent in the tournament. Um, and then we just needed to take away the three at the end of the day. And Isaiah Moore had a great game. He got some phantom calls, but uh, he got to the free. He shot more free throws than our entire team. So my staff wasn't real happy with that. When the game started in the first half, they came out with all kind of energy, and they were extra, ultra aggressive. What was the main thing that – Y'all did from a defensive standpoint that kind of slowed it down because, I mean, they were just really aggressive going to the basket in the first uh, 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, just dug in. And, again, they, they had won coming into that game, uh, Kevin, I think, of, of 11 out of out of 13 games, and, and uh, we were one of the losses. So they have done a, a, a really good job. They were playing with confidence, and they were coming at us, and they were shooting the ball well. So we just tried to dig in and guard them. And then uh, the second half, I thought our defense was really good. They don't get a field goal the last six minutes of the game. All yeah. the points are from the free throw line. Yeah, it was, it, it was really good. Now, one of the things that I liked, and, and Coach Riley kind of mentioned this, verified this from his perspective in the postgame presser, is that they kind of faded because – I never thought, like, one of the advantages of being a higher seed is that, theoretically, you're going to be a little fresher. Man, I don't know that, I don't know that Texas, I don't know that that worked against Texas State. I mean, they, I don't know that they ever got tired. And yet, finally, it looked like in the last five minutes or so, uh, having to play the extra games kind of hurt South out. Well, we did it last year, Kevin. And as an eight seed, got the championship game. And to play four games in five days is difficult. Uh, and that's the beauty of the double buy. That's why we play the regular season. Absolutely. Now, there's also people that that kind of been arguing on the women's side and the men's side, and we had several discussions during the weekend in Pensacola. Like, it's not enough of an advantage because the, in that first game, the other team just got to play in the arena and you didn't. How, how do you kind of weigh in on all that? You can spend it any way you want, but we we talked earlier about having time off. I mean, do, do you want to play more games or do you want to 
have have some time off to rest in the hill, as you mentioned with Greg. So I, I, I think it, it, to be on the court and win a game and have a day off is an advantage uh, to some degree, and uh, it, it can be it can go either way. Kevin, I mean, I, I'm fine with what we have. I think the conference did a great job, and Pensacola did a great job hosting this tournament, putting it on, because it's difficult when you have the women and the men at the same venue, and there's not time to get in and practice. So do you foresee next year it's going to be the same as this, the format-wise? Yeah, I, I would assume it would stay the same. Right. All right, so – I was hoping for Birmingham. Dawson tells me Birmingham is not going to happen because of the way the seeds are going to work unless Alabama somehow doesn't get a number one seed, but I don't think anybody thinks that's going to happen. So do you have a gut feeling of where you're going? Do not. Uh, you know, we, we heard Birmingham. We heard Greensboro and Orlando, Florida. Uh, but I, I would think Orlando or Greensboro probably more likely. The um, and we mentioned Greg a few times. How serious is the injury? How 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 you know? Do you feel pretty optimistic that you will be able to kind of get the Greg Williams that that you've had all season? Yeah, well, for sure. And had a great talk with him yesterday at the individual workouts, and he did did some light shooting, um, but his he got stepped on Kevin at the end of the Texas state game. And he just couldn't go. He couldn't push off. It had swollen. He couldn't push off on uh, the championship game and played the first half. And I don't even think he took a shot. No, he didn't. Uh, and, and so in the second half, we went with Jalen and, you know, Jalen and our minds been a starter the whole time. He's had his ups and downs, but he's a talented kid and he's a gamer. And, uh, you know, we, we, rode him in the second half and didn't sub a lot, like you said, and he came through for us. So we hope to have Greg back. Uh, I, I feel confident we'll have him at practice either tomorrow or Monday. You know, I, I think that um, Jalen did fabulous, and that was great. I, I really thought Terrence in the whole – all the games that you played in Pensacola was was incredibly consistent. You know, he started out this season on fire, and then towards the end he was kind of up and down a little bit in terms of his production. Uh, but I, I thought he was incredibly consistent in everything he did in Pensacola. Yeah, he was really solid. Uh, you know, Terrence has done a good job for us all year. Uh and it, it, you can depend on him. You know what he's going to do. He's going to take good shots. I'll, I'll bet you out of our 33 games that that uh, Terrence probably had three games where he was off and, and just didn't score, didn't do the things he normally does. But he's had a great year. So, I mean, obviously you could just tell how, how excited y'all were. You know, it's one thing to – and I, I vividly remember interviewing Jalen a year ago and, and him right after the game talking like, we, we talked about it, we're going to be back next year. It's one thing to say that, but y'all, you know, made it happen. And so just how it had to be incredibly fulfilling for you. Yeah, it was uh, – I was asked yesterday on a podcast, was, was it a relief or a thrill? Well, it's both. And the, the, obviously, the thrill is the most important thing. But we had we embraced being uh, the, the number one 
pick in the conference and a favorite all year long from New Orleans media days, Sunbelt media days, all the way through the end, Kevin. And we continued to, to fight through some adversity. Uh, and just like Jalen said, you know, we, I remember the press conference, Greg was on one side, Jalen's on the other. And they said, we, we want to come back. And our group in the locker room said, you know, we're going to come back and win it uh, next year. And to their credit and to our strength coach, uh, Oliver Houston, he did a great job. And his, his message was defend the code. And he had that slapped all over the weight room every time we went in there in the spring and summer and fall. And uh, our guys defended the code and did what they needed to do. All right, Coach. Well, we just wanted to congratulate you. And uh, I know it's been – I'm sure you've had lots of fun. And, I know, I, I, you know, you've been having to do a lot of interviews and all. But, again, this is what you play for. And we look forward to a very exciting Selection Sunday. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, it's been a been a thrill. It's been good for our community and our university and athletic department. And uh, we'll get some national recognition here more in the coming week. And uh, we're looking forward to the competition and seeing where we land. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you, we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. If you would like to get in on the game hotline, it's been a busy day with interviews. But if you would like to get in, now is the best time to do it. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We will, in the next segment, be talking to New Iberia Head Boys basketball coach Chad Porsche, and again, if you didn't if you didn't get the news from last night, they beat Walker. They're going to play in the state finals for the first time in school history tomorrow night, and it is. Um, we'll be talking to him in the um, in the next segment. We've got Cajun baseball tonight. Uh, LSU baseball is opening up a series against Sanford. The Cajuns are opening up a series against High Point. And High Point, I, 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 for quick glance of their stats, I don't. They must have. I don't know if their home park is a popcorn park, or they played in some tournament or something that was a popcorn park. But they've got like two guys with like six or seven home runs and like fourteen RBIs, like. I don't know. One of them, I think, might have like I don't. I'd have to go back and look, but it was like five or six homers and eleven RBIs, like hitting a bunch of homers, They've but got not guy, driving in a bunch of runs. They got a guy with seven homers and sixteen RBIs. A guy with six homers and ten RBIs, yeah. and a guy with five homers and ten RBIs. That's what I'm saying. It's like now. I think you, you're probably onto something there because they've hit twenty five homers as a team, but they've also given up twenty four. 
So they must have played in some sort of tournament or their home field is pretty small or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I saw those numbers, I'm like, man, look at this. Now, it, either way, Tigmore feels going to be a culture shock to them because, you know, that uh, it, it's not you got to you got to crush it to get it out of there. There's yeah. not a lot of cheap home runs at the team. Right. And so that's just for the comparison. The Cajuns have hit seven and given up 11. So. 18 combined homers in Cajun games against 49 combined homers in high point games. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And, you know, they're picked to finish third in the Big South, which is a good baseball league. I mean, we just got finished playing Campbell, who was picked first. Um, and so, you know, you saw how good Campbell was. I mean, we you never know when you're looking at statistics, but Campbell had played a fairly competitive schedule and their numbers were really good. So I was pretty convinced that the Cajuns were in for, uh, you know, their pitching staff was in for it against Campbell. It was going to be tough, but uh, you know how, how the difference between first and third in the conference, we're about to find out. Yeah. And a, and a 609 team ERA for high points. So the entire big South can swing it and they don't focus too, too much on pitching, I guess. Um, but, yeah, they, they've struggled on the mound for sure. Now, opponents, they're averaging over seven runs a game to this point, so they have certainly been able to score. And kind of, as we mentioned, I mean, they, they're off to a, a start that's five and seven, but they went to Alabama for three games, and they didn't get blown out in any of the three. Who's no. the top 25 team, and they lost nine to four, ten to six, and four to two. So it's not like they were one pitch away from winning those games, but they also didn't get beat the way LSU's been beating teams. So. Right. And... They played one other good team, if I remember correctly, looking at their schedule. It hasn't been like a UL softball schedule, but it's been they've played some good competition. They played App State in a midweek game and lost sixteen to seven. Yeah, so that's true. I did see that. Some uh, again, and clearly they don't have a ton of high level arms. So hopefully the Cajun offense can kind of still keep things going here. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see again. It's at least another good test, which I think is that's what you need is more tests for the arms. That's we we kind of feel good about the Cajun lineup. So. We continue to test the arms against pretty good batting, and I mean, I think that's that's what you need to see heading into conference play. But I think the thing, I mean, we've we kind of had an idea of what the lineup was going to look like, but other than Kyle at short and Carson in center and Julian behind the plate, everything else, like even Heath Hood, has moved from right to left. I mean, he's still in the lineup; he's been your leading hitter all year long. Uh, but even Heath Hood has moved from right to left. Yeah, and, and you want to talk about things that sneak up on you, and, and I mentioned this with LSU's schedule last week, but it's the same with the Cajuns. I mean, conference plays, they start a conference play a week from today. I mean, like at the Teague, they'll be playing Arkansas State for a three-game set. So I don't know why, and this has happened in college baseball for me over the past few years. I don't. I guess the conference schedule has been lengthened a little bit, but like, now, I mean, you look up, I'm not even ready, and, and I guess part of it's how good the Cajun basketball team is. We've been focusing a lot of energy on that, but, like, here we go. Conference play next week. The games start really counting, so you, you better be ready, and, yeah, you'd, you'd certainly, I guess, like to have your lineup more figured out by this point. I guess the good thing there is that a couple of guys that they weren't necessarily, or we weren't necessarily expecting to play as well as they have, have, so have made it more difficult for Degs to put a lineup together, but, yeah, I mean, like, is is Marshock, again, we keep saying he's going to come around do you think he runs out of time at some point? Deggs hasn't seemed to think so. But. He loves him. Uh, and I got to tell you, he's done a good job at third base. Yeah, he has. And, and so, um, you know, I you would think he would start hitting eventually. And he's hit some balls hard. 
And so I, I think he's going to have a pretty long leash because of what his potential is on the other side. High school, high school sports kind of prepares me for what you are just talking about. Because, like, they're still in the basketball. Like, New Iberia played last night. They're playing again tomorrow. STM, you know, season ended Wednesday. North Central plays tonight. They're already playing district games in high school. Like, district baseball and softball games are already being played. We haven't even finished the basketball season yet. Sickening the way that happens, but it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, no, it's – um, and look, once LSU starts the SEC and the Cajuns start – Sunbelt, I mean, you know, there's a few teams in the Sunbelt that probably aren't like the top eight or so, eight to ten teams in the Sunbelt, but um, pretty much every week you're going to get a challenge. And uh, not to say that you aren't going to have a, a, a great weekend and, and sweep a team, and LSU and the Cajuns, I'm sure, will both do that here and there, but um, it, it, and, and sweep them, you know, impressively I mean but but going in you're gonna think it's a challenge so uh, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens and Jackson is pitching again he's in the rotation his ERA is still 14 but yeah but he's had his last two outings were good and so you know I don't know that his numbers are ever going to be real good this year but if he pitches effectively who cares what your ERA looks like yeah, and I mean, I guess, do we know any more about McGeehee, or are they just kind of playing this safe? Well, what, what, what Coach Degg said earlier in the week is he, he expected him to throw some, not in a game, just like, you know, like a bullpen session or something. And, and he thinks he's close, so we'll see. So I, I do think, now, you know, look, Neza's still got a shot if he pitches well this weekend, but I, I do think if you get McGeehee back, then Neza's obviously the one on the on the chopping block as far as who's going to give up a rotation spot, but... Then again, uh, is does Coach Deggs, who a guy who hasn't thrown since week one of the season, is he going to throw him in and start him in a conference game? Uh, next I doubt week? that. So, right, I, so. I bet you he pitches in relief in right. his first outing, and then if he pitches well one or two outings, then he might start the following week or the week after that. So for now, I mean, it, Neza's in there, and and Tommy Ray would maybe be the guy if if Neza either struggles again or, or your has, boy Tommy Ray got the win Wednesday. Look at yeah, and look, I I I've never doubted the talent. I've just doubted the consistency. I'm just with yeah, no, I know, but. <laughs> But he is he is a guy. Look, he's going to be important to the staff. I mean, he's going to be a factor, and he's going to pitch in big moments at times this season. So, you need to have him be a little more consistent. And and you've seen a little bit of that this year. He's had a little bit of the old Tommy Ray inconsistency concerns, but I think he's been mostly pretty much you know controlling that. So we do have you know like you said one more weekend of baseball. Not like real super focused. So we haven't talked about it a lot because, you know, Samford is Samford and High Point is High Point. But, um, man, you're right. We're going to be at the NCAA tournament uh, mindset next weekend and the Cajuns and the Tigers will be starting conference play in in, in, in baseball. And then um, softball is going to be, you know, be starting it now. Conference play and softball is a little different for the Cajuns, but we'll see where they are mentally. Yeah, um, LSU softball – Starts conference play tomorrow with a Saturday game against South Carolina. So they um and you know the SEC in softball is about like about like the SEC in baseball. Maybe not quite, but pretty close. I mean, so no, it'll it'll be a a, a very interesting challenge there. So um, going into another big weekend and a baseball and softball. The Cajun softball starts today at noon against Rutgers, and then they play Florida. I guess at five. Is it really going to start at five? Well, I, I 
there's only three teams at this event, right? Or are there a couple no, more? No, Mercer's they, in it, okay, too. Okay, Mercer's in it, too. So there might be, I guess there's a, probably a game at 2.30-ish and then a game at, yeah, so eh, we'll Probably see. won't start at 5. Yeah, maybe, maybe 5, 36 o'clock. Wednesday night, I, uh, I'm not a big jinx guy, so I say things in press boxes that make people mad. So, because uh, I don't believe that has anything to do with it. But the, uh. The Cajun softball team plays seven innings, obviously. The men play nine. With about two innings to go, I said, man, if, if, if these last two half innings go really well, like the baseball game might finish before the softball game. And it ended up like two pitches behind. Two or three pitches after the softball game ended, the baseball, the nine-inning baseball game ended. So it's not always um, – you can't always chalk up just two hours or two hours and 15 minutes is what I'm saying for the for the, uh, for the the softball games. But the baseball game was a Tony Robichaux special, like 218. It was, it, it was very quick. And, you know, most people appreciate that, especially if you win. All right. <clears throat> I meant I just thought of something that I wanted to ask you. We only got about a minute or two before we get to our next time out. So maybe if we can't get to it totally now, we can do it in the last little segment after we interview Coach Porsche. But the whole UCLA won last night pretty impressively, right? I do think that's a fascinating issue. Those who of us who are older, this was well before Dawson's time, remember the Kenyon Martin situation. But when you get a player when you get when a team gets one of its best players injured right before the tournament and he's not coming back how, as a committee what do you how do you handle that i think that's a fascinating and very i mean do you really penalize him but it's hard well, not to i guess yeah i get that what they do i have strong opinions on this i don't think they should be penalized whatsoever in any way shape or form i did this when Ohio State um, was having quarterback issues a few years back, they ended up winning the title that year, but they went through third-string quarterback, Cardell Jones, is who brought them to the championship. They had JT Barrett, who also got hurt. They had a bunch of injuries, and there was this talk of penalizing them, and I just don't understand that because, in my opinion, which that's also something that people argue with the college football playoff, I don't think it should be the four best teams. It should be the four most deserving teams because I think what you do on the field should matter, not what we think would happen in an ideal situation. So... Personally, I don't think they should be penalized at all. They they played the whole year. And look, again, I think the Ohio State point kind of goes to prove that. Who knows who how good the rest of these guys are and who knows how they're going to play. But to me, the the reward and the ranking and the seeding should be based on how you've performed throughout the season and not how good we think you can do in the tournament. So that's how that's my take on it. And 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 I I certainly can buy that because to your point, Cordell did pretty good when he got in the game. So uh, no, but uh, I remember, uh, I want to say they made Cincinnati when Kenyon Martin couldn't play. They were the number, they were the number one team in the country. And I think they either made them a two or three seed. They were not a number one seed because their best player got injured. So no, that's, that's a fascinating, um, dilemma for the committee to be in, but they won by double figures. Like, so they played pretty well. Yeah, they beat a Colorado team that's not great, right. um, but they'll get tested again. I mean, they've got a couple more games in that tournament if they keep going. I think they play. I think they play Oregon tonight, who is a interestingly enough is is kind of a bubble team. So, yeah, they're going to play Oregon tonight, and then they've they've got Arizona on the other side. Arizona Arizona State is that who they just beat? Like, 
Right. Not so that long ago. I think obviously if if they're able to win the Pac-12 tournament, they won't change seating. But again, personally, I don't think they should change regardless based on the injury. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, talk some high school basketball next. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us New Iberia Head Boys Basketball Coach Chad Porsche. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. All right. This man yeah. has just led his yellow jackets to the state to the state finals for the first time in school history. So I know you're always you always hope to do that when a season starts, but uh, you got to be feeling pretty special right now. Yeah, we, you know, we, we said it last year. You know, we felt like we had, a, you know, a bunch of pieces coming back of a team that was one point away from the top twenty-eight. Uh, the goal was was to get here, and then once you get here, anything can happen. So, um, it's pretty cool though to, for the goal to be that, and then you know, actually live it. You know, so. Uh, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it. I made the comment in the first hour that when an when a high scoring team plays a defensive team, it's the, the the high scoring team wins sometimes. But it seemed like the defensive team always has a better chance of dictating pace. Have you kind of noticed that over the years? Yeah, I just feel like you know, especially in high school, you play in high school gyms, and then you get in this big arena. Um, you know, offense doesn't travel as well, you know, um, you know, when you're at home, it, you know, offense, you know, it's fine. And you're playing in regular high school gym and you get in that big arena on the big stage. It's just, it's hard for, for shot making and, and offense to travel a lot of times. So, you know, if you can hang your hat on guard people and, and, you know, and score just enough, I feel like you have a better chance. I just feel like defense travels come playoff time and come, you know, in, in, in football, basketball, all of those, you know, I just feel like, you know, it, it, it travels better than offense does. So when you took over, went from Brobridge to New Iberia, it had to help, I would think, because, like, you like to play defense, and I'm sure there are plenty of teams around the country who, if you took over and they would look at you like, you want us to do what? Like, I mean, but but you probably didn't have that. Like, that culture was already set, I would think. That's absolutely right. You know, you know, uh, Coach Russ was there before me, and I coached under him. And what I did at Bro Bridge was a lot of the stuff that he taught me. You know, and and when you come in, they they already knew how to guard. You know, we put little wrinkles and you know different ways of how we like to play things, but the the foundation was already there. You know, and the mindset and mentality was already there. So we just kind of you know built built upon that. It was already late. All right, so you played a Walker team that I think what was last the sixth straight trip to the state tournament. So that had to be, you know, you play a tough schedule. It's not like they were playing at a different level than you, but that experience at that in that state tournament that had to be a little bit of a concern. And how did y'all overcome that? That was the main concern. You know, they had been there uh, six straight times. They start five seniors, uh, so those guys had made that trip four times. 
Uh, and, and we knew that, you know, that would be, and you saw it in the first quarter. I mean, I tell you, I had to call an early timeout. I think we started the game uh, down 7 nothing. I called a timeout. It was 11-3. to I think they led 14-5 to at one point as well. Uh, but once we settled in and, and you know, um, were able to just kind of grind out and, and make it our style of game, you know, we were able to pull it off. But experience was definitely a factor, especially in that first quarter. All right, so do you know anything? Have you played or played or have a close friend who played? Uh, tell us about the matchup in the finals. Well, we played Ponchatoula uh, our second game of the year. I think it was their fourth game of the year. Uh, we played them at their place. I think we beat them by 10. But I'll tell you this, they're a different basketball team than when we played them. Uh, same personnel, same people, but um, they were finding their way. Um, we caught them early. We played really well early in the year. We really did. Um, then we we kind of you know we kind of declined, and they kind of went on an incline. I want to say they won twenty of their last twenty one, something like that. Um, but and I watched them play Rustin, who's was as good a team as anybody. They were a two seed, very athletic, very skilled, and um, they really took it to them yesterday. So we're gonna have our have our hands full with Ponchatoula. Uh, Coach Taylor does a great job. Um, They've got athletic guards. They got a six-eight kid on the inside who can play inside out. Um, it's gonna be a really tough, uh, tough matchup. Well, that seems like a strange game. Who said, "Man, I think we should go play Ponchatoula. We might like play them in the state finals or something." Yeah, it, it's just funny how that all works out. Look, look, we prepared ourselves for this run with our scheduling. We played STM in the Cajun Dome, who was a top twenty-eight team. We played Iowa. And Burton Coliseum because you know it was an opportunity to play where the top twenty eight would be hosted. Iowa was in the top twenty eight as well. We played Catholic High in New Iberia, who's in the top twenty eight. Um, Northwood Lena, who's here, we played them. Uh, Liberty, who would have been here. Um, Franklin, who's here. Uh, the you know we we prepared ourselves with a schedule. Pontchartula, this is a rematch from earlier in the year, the one and the three seed. So. Um, and same with Ponchatoula. They're here for a reason. They played Madison Prep and Scotland View. And, you know, you, you play good teams in preparation to get to this spot. And, um, like I said, I, I think people were in for a really good basketball game Saturday night. All right. So, has there been, you know, you, you don't, you wouldn't, I wouldn't say you have like, you know, a guy that every when people talk about New Iberia, they they go to see one player. It's well, y'all are more. Have, you've always had more of a team approach. But has there been someone who, from what your expectations were at the beginning of the year, has really stepped up his game that helped y'all get to this point? No, listen, and that's what's so great about this team is this is not one guy. It's you know our starting five, and then we play two kids, or you know two or three kids off the bench, two sophomores and a junior off the bench to just come in and. They may not play much, but they play, you know, two, four minutes here and there that that, that are really big. And, and you look at us, and our game last night, our leading score had 14. Our next guy had 11. Our next guy had nine. Our next guy had seven. We're just a balance. You know, it's not a one-man show. It's a, we're a balanced basketball team. Uh, we got multiple guys who on different nights can can go for 15 or 20 and beat you. And, uh, and again, all five guys guard, you know, and – and all five guys know who they are, and they've been playing with each other, and they're comfortable with their skill set, and they're comfortable with their teammates to, to, to make the right play and and uh, play good basketball. 
All right, I can't let you go without asking you about your favorite football team, the one I call the Cheaters. So are you comfortable with going into next season with an injured or banged-up Purdy and uh, a guy who's been around the league for like three or four years and never plays a game? Like, what, what, what is the quarterback situation going to be there? I really don't know. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable either way. Like I said, I have confidence that Shanahan, he does good, such a great job with play calling. We have enough weapons around whoever we put back there. Uh, defensively, we got everything coming back. Um, we got McCaffrey, you know, and then we got a, multiple receivers who can make play with Debo and Ayuk and, and Kittle. So, um, we, shoot, we could put me back there, and I think we'll be able to score 17 points, and the defense will play well enough for us to win. Um we just we just got to survive until our quarterbacks are healthy and then come play all time. We'll be just fine. Well, I'll take that bet. I I, I vote for you to play quarterback. <laughs> I can turn around, I can turn around and hand it to McCaffrey. I guess you know. Sure, Debo, Debo, we could just snap it straight to him and let him run for a little while. Uh, I got you. All right, Coach. Well, we congratulations uh, and good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Man, it's been a busy Friday. It might be an all-time record for us, four interviews in in one show. We don't do that a whole lot, but just lots going on. And obviously in Lake Charles, we got uh, Tom interviewed. And we've been tr- – I wanted to get Coach Marlin. And obviously, normally we talk to him on Tuesday, but they had a, you know, crazy triumphant night Monday, so we didn't want to do that. And so um, – it was great to get him on, so it just kind of worked out. And then, you know, we didn't know for sure if New Iberia would win or not. Trying to get Chad a little earlier in the week, it didn't work out. But since they won, we got him, so it, it kind of kind of just worked out that way. But uh, so, bi- again, lots going on, busy weekend, and, man, Coach Marlin said Greensboro, too. Seemed like a lot of people are saying that. I've never been to Greensboro. Well, I don't think I've ever been to Greensboro. No, I have not been there. I've uh, my sister spent a year in Winston Salem, North Carolina, so I uh, visited her a couple of times and went to Charlotte. Went to a Saints Panthers game. Actually, we absolutely destroyed them, like thirty-eight nothing or something like that. It was one of the last games of the season, one of the years that we 
got our hearts broken in the playoffs. But uh, I like North Carolina in general. You know, a lot of mountain areas, very nice area to be. Uh, Did you see Thema's folks at like a restaurant or something when you went to Winston-Salem? You know, That's had, where he's from. had no idea who that was at the time. <laughs> and I think Themis was probably, what was he at, South Carolina State at that point, I, I guess? Because that been. was like three three years ago. Could have been, yeah, probably. Yeah. Or maybe he was. He might have still been. What is he? He's a redshirt sophomore. He might have still been a senior in high school. I don't know. Either way, no. But uh, Winston Salem was nice. So I'm sure Greensboro's got some. You know, got some nice things going for it. So we'll see how how, how that plays out. It's um. And again, they could send him out. It's not a, impossible that they would send him west either. I mean, somebody's got to go west, right? And and like I I had kind of said, it, it's. If, if there's no teams in that area that are on that seed line as a 13 seed or a 14 seed or whatever it may be, then they got to send, like you said, they got to send somebody. They have to send a 14 seed to the West. So you could just be the unlucky one that gets their name called in that regard. I do have a little, uh, it's, it's a little bit of an updated kind of rooting schedule for at least today's games because there's a bunch of, for the most part, you've got semifinal games today. There's a couple of leagues, of course, that have just different formats, but. Um, for the Cajuns, as far as, as kind of looking at the teams around them, Ohio is going to be Toledo's opponent today. So that's at 4 o'clock. So you're rooting for Ohio to beat Toledo. You've got Iona playing Niagara at 5 o'clock this evening. So that's another one to keep an eye on. Then, as I mentioned, Yale plays Cornell at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Cornell? Yes. In the Ivy League tournament. I don't know that I've ever pulled for Cornell in anything. Well, there's a first time for everything. Yeah. And then VCU plays St. Louis today. Again, the, the A-10, I'm just concerned that whoever wins the A-10, they'd put above the Cajuns. But still, you know, if you want to go ahead and if you if you got nothing going on, that one's tomorrow at noon. And then this evening, the, late, the latest one to watch out for, Sam Houston plays Grand Canyon at 8 o'clock. Um, and that one could be important. Now, that's all the one the, the current favorites, quote unquote. Again, that we mentioned some two seeds that need to potentially lose as well that I don't have on here. But that's an idea if you've got nothing going on on a Friday afternoon, a couple of games you can kind of have a rooting interest in. But you got my hopes up to get a thirteen, and now you're sounding all negative. Hey, I said it's it's still not out of the question at all. Now, for the record, Jerry Palm with CBS <laughs> actually has the Cajuns as a thirteen the way it sits ahead of Toledo, who is. Been ahead of the the thing with Toledo is their net is seventy nine Cajuns nets eighty nine, but the Cajuns strength of schedule is one sixty two versus two fifty for Toledo, and they are twenty six and six. You're twenty six and seven. So eh, the committee could have the Cajuns as already a thirteen seed for all we know. But I just think the most of the projections have them as a fourteen unless one of these teams loses. And you said 13, 13 14 doesn't matter for the Birmingham situation. If I'm correct about Alabama getting the Birmingham the Birmingham site, then no, it wouldn't matter because you again you'd only have one sixteen eight and nine, and then the way that most of these projections have it, it would be the other one seed Houston would also be in Birmingham. So then again one sixteen eight nine playing in that regional. Um, I don't know if that's set on how they do it. Coach Marlin said Bur- they've heard Birmingham is a possibility, so maybe that is still in play, and maybe they'll just shuffle it around, but. My best guess would be that it's going to be likely Alabama that goes to Birmingham, which would kind of take away the likelihood there. I'm just saying, if they play Tennessee again, I will not believe that. The well, that's, of- there's more and more. At CBS, their most latest projection, which originally earlier today, I think they had them playing uh, Gonzaga or Xavier or someone. Now CBS also has them playing Tennessee, this time as a 13-4 matchup. 
ESPN has them as a 14-3 matchup, but also playing Tennessee. So that, for whatever reason, that's coming up a lot. I, we'll see. I wouldn't. I wouldn't love the matchup. I haven't seen Tennessee play too too much at all this year. But um, remembering what they've kind of been in the past couple of years, I, I wouldn't love that matchup. But we'll see what happens. Just the history of that is it would be would be nuts. But uh, again, for those who don't like the Cajuns play when Jordan's dad was playing, they made the NCAA tournament. Uh, it would have been Dion's sophomore year. They played Tennessee, and I believe they lost 51-57, if I remember correctly. They lost about four. And then three years later, the Cajuns beat Florida in the first round of the NIT and went to Tennessee was up by five points in 23 seconds to go and lost. Heartbreaking. I was in the same position in the den, that I, house that I lived in, behind the same chair that game as I was two years earlier when Mike Lansford kicked a field goal and took to beat the Saints and to knock them out the playoffs in their first winning season and took the, the same long, quiet stroll around the subdivision. So I still have bitter memories of that game. Um, and then, what was it, 2000, the Cajuns got in and, and got beat in Birmingham and with a really controversial call to Tennessee in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So Wow. And then what was it? It was Creighton in 2014, right, their last appearance. Right. So the opponents, I mean, the opponents could go either way. The teams to keep an eye on, Baylor would be a possibility. Kansas State would be in there. Tennessee, Xavier, UConn, Arizona, Virginia, those types of teams. So Kansas, Cajuns played Kansas State in the um, – Back in the glory days, in the in the Bolomar days in the NCAA tournament, so there's some history there as well. And this may be projecting way ahead, but it would be interesting if the Cajuns ended up in the same regional as Sam Houston State, because there could potentially be a situation if you both pulled some upsets there. That would take a lot, where Bob Marlin could maybe play against a team that he's familiar with. Wow, wow. All right, so it'll be fun to see what happens. Uh, we'll just wait and see. Just a couple more days to wait. Y'all have a nice weekend.